Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And I've got three guests. Two have been polite before we came on air. And one's been quite rude. So the polite introductions first. My first guest, a man who has spent a lifetime in football as an administrator. He was, he'll be, he'll be too modest to say this, he was the youngest secretary in the Football League at one time. He had two spells working at Manchester City, pioneering with the launch of the Junior Blues and football in the community. A football man through and through is a huge... Welcome to my good friend Roger Reed. I owe you a fiver, don't I? At least. <laughs> and someone who does probably one of the most popular uh, and best and most successful Manchester City blogs, A View From A Blue. Welcome to Stephen Allwise. Thank you. I also owe you a fiver now. And someone who does not owe me a fiver, I'm not sure why she's here, but she's here anyway. Welcome to Sarah Messenger. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nigel. Uh, listen, uh, victory at Chelsea at the weekend, 2-1. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about things that haven't quite been going right. We've talked about injuries, having to compromise at centre-back, uh, misfiring up front, uh, dodgy left-back. But we actually have a new statistic, a new discussion point. Saturday saw the lowest possession percentage in any of Pep's 381 top-flight matches. It was 46.7%, the lowest ever in 381 matches, Stephen. That's got to be a starting point for me, I think. Discuss. Yeah, I think it's probably two things. One, Chelsea played really well. The first half an hour especially, there's, there's not many teams I can think of who've played against us anywhere, but let alone the Etihad, and, and been as comfort, confident and comfortable on the ball as they were. Um, so I think there was that. But actually, we'll go on to it, but second half, and probably from half an hour onwards we looked a bit more solid, had more control. And when Chelsea had the ball in the second half, it was quite deep for them. They weren't cutting mm-hmm. through us. So they had a lot of possession, but they didn't do lots with it. So, yeah, game of, of two halves, but um, big win for us because, yeah, Chelsea played really well. They did play well, Sarah. And that, and that statistic's a little bit worrying, do you think? Is it something to worry about or you're less concerned? It, it's worrying when you think that Pep's philosophy is very largely based on the concept of possession. So if 
if everything flows from having control of the ball and we're going to repeat that more regularly, i.e. having less than 50%, you do wonder what that will mean for the way that we play as a team. As a one-off game, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think, in a way, the more important statistic is that we won with so little possession and against a team who did play very well, certainly, as, as Stephen has said. So I, I'm not alarmed at this stage, but I think it's, I think it's very interesting that it's the lowest ever mm. in his tenure. Alarmed, concerned, got a view on the possession stat, Roger? Yeah, I, th- I think credit to Chelsea, as Stephen said before. I think they played ever so well and, and Lampard got his tactics right. But I've got a couple of ideas that I think were probably contributory factors. The first was we didn't half miss Bernardo. I think the thing with Bernardo is he's got this stickability where, forgive me, that's no such word as a stickability, but he's, the ball sticks with Bernardo. We don't give it away. We don't surrender possession so much when Bernardo's on the ball. I think the other aspect that uh, stood out for me was Kevin De Bruyne is a fantastic player, but he has to take risks in order to be the great player that he is. And occasionally he will lose possession. You know, I mean, he, he, the number of times he's gone for Meg's passes through people's legs has been fantastic to, to watch. But occasionally it doesn't work out and we lose possession if that happens. We also had Riyad Mahrez playing for us on Saturday and the same thing applies with him. He takes risks. He's that sort of player that will take people on and take risks and you lose possession. So we had a couple of players that were losing possession occasionally for us on Saturday. So I think missing Bernardo and Riyad and Kevin as well, I think they were contributory factors. I agree with all of that. I think on top, you had someone like David Silva, who's your other player who just wants to slow the game down a bit, play at his pace. But he barely touched the ball for half an hour. It was such a frenetic tempo, and that doesn't suit the way he plays. So, as, as Roger said, you had a lot of players taking risks, but it just meant we didn't have that control in midfield until the game progressed and, and we got the lead and were a bit more comfortable. There were a number of players who had a bad game as well, I thought, Sarah, as well, particularly. And it's not something we could say very often this season. We can kind of list them. You know, Mendy looks overweight, unfit. Uh, Sterling had one of his worst games. I mean, the, the, you know, there's a, David Silver didn't have a great game. We can list them all here. And, and, and we did give the ball away a lot, didn't we, as well, which doesn't help with your possession stats, I suppose. Yeah, we did. I, I mean, I think you can separate out the players who have had some really good games this season and made some telling contributions who were not quite on the pace on Saturday. Sterling, I didn't think De Bruyne had that good a game. Um, You know, he he did some good things, but he did give the ball away a lot by his very high standards. Um, Mares, lovely goal, really lovely goal. I don't think we see enough of that from Mares. Um, And then, but the other category, the players who... I think of yet to convince and Mendy definitely you, you kind of wonder how many how long it's going to take for us to see the Mendy that played at Monaco because I've never seen him play for perhaps one one or two games um, it's almost like he either repeatedly went backwards or he passed it forward and gave it away but he'd looked he looked so he lacked confidence mm. he didn't look like the sort of players you say we saw at at Monaco who everybody said god if we could only sign him and of course we then did but he just he seemed to lack ideas he seemed to lack confidence am i being a bit harsh here stephen i, I don't know i think pepper's said over the last few weeks he just needs to play and he needs minutes and he needs to play game after game and then you'll see the best of him i i actually think he tries too much with his passing you look at where Delph, when he filled in for a season and a half at left-back, Zinchenko has done it for a while. They keep it very simple. Even despite the fact that it's not their natural position, 
they're not trying these outrageous passes. If if there's a ball into Silva or Bernardo who might be near them, they play that. If there's not, they turn around and give it to Laporte. Mendy always wants to play an attacking pass and the amount of times he almost tries to fire it into the striker's feet. And if it gets there, it's impossible to control and it often doesn't get there. But I think his first thought is he just wants to move forward. And I think he will take time maybe to adapt to Pep's fairly specific instructions. But also the Mendy that we saw at Monaco, we shouldn't forget that because if he's at that level, he's an enormous asset for us that we don't have elsewhere in the squad. And Mares is frustrating, isn't he, Rog? Because, as Sarah said, I think he took that goal brilliantly. Uh, not just sort of having the vision to sort of, sort of slalom inside, but there was only one really place to, place to place it, and he did and scored. Mm-hmm. But yet, other times he was wasteful, and, and, and actually some of the City fans were getting on his back and getting certainly around where I sat. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people feeling a bit frustrated. He's, he's one of those players, isn't he, that he has the ability, but we haven't necessarily seen it consistently from him. Yeah, it's interesting because I picked up on the fact that our wonderful manager actually spoke to him at the start of the season and was saying to him, you've got to play the way I want you to play. I think it's, it's very difficult when you are the number one best player in a team like he was at Leicester, and he was the effective equivalent of Kevin De Bruyne in our team now. I think he also has that with Algeria as well, yeah. where he goes yeah. away and he's yeah. the man. He's the man, and then he has to man. come back to Yeah, us. yeah, yeah. And, and to play the way Pep wants him to play. I think, I think Sarah was right, what she said right at the beginning. We, we are a team that want to be in possession of the ball. We want to be like the old Brazil of the 1970s. And, and our stats, our possession stats, should be 60-70% every game. Mares is still playing a little bit like he played at Leicester for me. And I think he's got to learn to play the, the, the pet way, which is about holding on to the ball, giving it to a City player if you're not in a good position to take someone on and then get into the, into the dangerous positions. He did that for the goal. And don't forget, that was the match-winning goal. I mean, I can remember Rodney Marsh from years ago. He, he could go 85 minutes and be completely anonymous in a game, but then come up with this wonderful winning goal. Mahrez reminds me a little bit of Rodney. I think the challenge for... Particularly for Mares and for Mendy, as we both know, we all know that they're they're, they're really good players and yeah. potentially could be brilliant for us. Whereas perhaps with Stones, was he overhyped from the beginning? And you know, a, a debate for another day. But they've been there a long time now, relatively speaking. So I think a lot of City fans would say, "How long does it take to learn what Pep wants you to do? Maybe a season." If it's, as a professional footballer, if it's taken you more than a season to understand the way your team plays. And what your manager expects of you? What the hell are we paying you two hundred and fifty grand a week for? Is another aspect, Sarah, talking, going back to the possession issue, and we've again talked about this over the last few weeks. Is this whole issue of teams working City out, knowing the system they play, and actually coming up with a bit of a formula? And we've said Chelsea did well, but Frank Lampard uh, has got to take credit, hasn't he, for, for the way he set them up, for the tactics he employed, because he did. He he he, he did the job, and, and actually, I think Roger made the point. I think they're probably lucky to not get away with a point. Really, come away from the Etihad with a point. I think they probably, if it was a draw, I think we all would have sat here tonight and said probably deserved it at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's true. I think teams do eventually get... I, I don't know whether I'd say found out because City have so much quality that, you, in a way, the quality still ought to trump some decent tactics. But um, they're much more used to playing us. And I, I think there was... The, the thing that slightly concerned me about Saturday, despite the result, was what I perceive as a lack of energy mm. that, that was never a feature of the yeah. previous two seasons, maybe in the odd game or spell in a game. I agree. Yep. There was a complete lack of drive and 
and, and I, you know, that, it, it just was missing. And, and Bernardo does bring some of that, and maybe that was part of it. But. And Sarah, and, and that's what Chelsea did bring. You know, every yes. time they got the ball, they yes. seemed more of a threat. They seemed to be the ones that looked sort of up for it and going forward. You thought, hold on a minute, the, the, they just look more threatening and more, the more likely to score. That's, is that, maybe that's just me with my typical City hat on. I don't know, but that's how, that's how it felt sitting there. You don't agree, I th- Stephen? I think that was absolutely the case for <laughs> the first half an hour. Um, and it, you couldn't believe that that midfield of, of Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho was the same three that Sarri played all of last season. And it was just a different team. And they, they look full of confidence and they have energy and, and they stream forward very quickly. And Lampard should take enormous credit for what he's done in a fairly short space of time. The flip side is, after half an hour... <coughs> Excuse me. They did barely anything. I don't think it was until about sixty-five minutes that they had another shot. So for all their possession, and I don't know whether it was a case of tactics and somebody dropped deeper, or and Pep altered things maybe at halftime, or it was just Chelsea started really lively and and that energy just faded out slightly. But they didn't do a lot second half. It wasn't until the last five ten minutes where you thought they've given it another go here. So I think for all the praise that we give to Chelsea, rightly so, actually a lot of that credit should also go to City for the way that we became that bit more solid, bit more controlled from half an hour onwards, because that was a really good second half performance. And sort of talking about giving City credit, Roger, having talked about some of the players who maybe had an off day, I think two I'd like to pick up on if I can, and I don't necessarily agree with Sarah. Uh, I actually thought that Kevin De Bruyne actually yes he gave the ball away but actually he was the one player who did seem to have a bit of a spark um, something about him he was playing with a bit of pace just the way I saw the game and the other one who I think in the stadium got man of the match as well was Fernandinho who of mm. course is not a natural centre back and actually did a fantastic job and mm. uh, has been criticised and given away a penalty and all the other things we know about yeah. but I thought those two for me probably stood out as being City's best players yeah I agree totally and Fernandinho for me is just taken to the, the role of centre-back. A bit like, do you remember Mascarano at, uh, at Liverpool when he went to Barcelona and suddenly became a centre-back and everyone thought, how can he be a centre-back? He's five foot eight. You know, how's he going to win headers or whatever? Uh, but he took to it like a duck to water. Fernandinho has, has done exactly the same and it's not taken in many games. If you actually analyse how his performances got better and better and better as a centre-back, he was absolutely outstanding. In fact, on Saturday, he was actually winning headers. Now, you think about the players he was playing up against. What's Tammy Abraham, seven foot three? <laughs> you know, seriously, to be winning headers was, was incredible. De Bruyne, I, I agree with you. I, I think Sarah's mentioned about De Bruyne. I thought he played really well. The problem is that he is the key to unlocking defences, and you have to take risks in order to do that. And occasionally, it does go wrong. Um, and Manny, having said that, if we're talking about something that went wrong, what about the Edison one that... When he hit Batshuayi or whatever he's called. Dear, dear, that was uh, Almost, a yeah. heart-stopping moment. It was. Um, can I also talk, Sarah, um, about Stones? I think somebody mentioned him earlier on. I think it was you. It's a, a story for another day. I don't think it is. It's a story for today. Because sort of slowly but surely, he's getting game time. He's building his confidence. Uh, it's what he needed to happen. And yeah, I don't think he put a foot wrong. He wasn't scintillating. 
but he just needs that confidence building and time on the pitch. And are we just starting to see that? Do you feel as though there's a bit of confidence coming back there? And he, he did all right, didn't he, I think? I, I massively hope so, because, first of all, we need decent centre-backs. Uh, and it would, be, it would be a shame having invested in him and him spending the time he has at the club if we end up going, well, you know, it hasn't worked out and we go and have to go out buy two new centre-backs. Um, and I, I see the potential in him. I think he's just not done it on a sustained enough basis for us, for most City fans to think he is the answer to one side of our central defensive partnership. If him and Fernandinho play together until Laporte is back and then he's, Laporte slots in with stones with Fernandinho rotating sometimes, um, nobody would be more happy than me. But I wouldn't want to say that I'm totally confident yet that stones is the player we thought we were buying. Okay, so still a bit sceptical then. I mean, he's making good sense. Stephen, yeah, are you, are you as sceptical? No, more? I, I think that's spot on. I think the balance with Stones is really tricky because y- you want to really like him because he did come with um, hype and, and people putting pressure on him to perform and the amount of money that was spent and is he a pep defender? And For a long time, I've he's the type of player I actually think when he has a good game, nobody mentions it. And as soon as he makes a mistake, everyone pounces on him. Mm. And actually, for a long time, when a lot of people have said, well, maybe he's not all that, maybe he's not kicked on, I've sat here and defended him because I think you can see the ability and you can see the fact he's comfortable on the ball and he's gaining some of that defensive awareness. And the flip side is, actually, has he kicked on that much in the last two or three years under Pep? Has he really become this consistent defender who will take responsibility, be that leader at the back? And I'm not sure he has. And I find it really hard to weigh up Stones' impact of what he actually produces on the pitch versus the type of player he could be. Because I think he's got everything to be brilliant and he could be our centre-back for the next seven, eight years. But he's had company there to guide him for for all his time at City. And now's his chance to take on a bit more responsibility. But I think you'd look at that defence now and think Fernandinho is the the one who will just guide us through those tricky moments and when Laporte comes back it you know you're asking yourself is it Stones and Fernandinho Stones or Fernandinho who should drop out that should never be a question when you've paid the amount of money you have for an England centre-back so it's really tricky it's not a question is it Rogers it's not a a serious question is it Fernandinho I know he's done a great job but surely it's got to be um Laporte and Stones and Laporte are the long-term bet. I mean, Fernandinho, how many more years is he going to be able to play at that level? I think we forget that City have got the best players in the world in the squad. You know, they are the best players in the world, without question. Liverpool have got one or two players that maybe might be in that sort of elite league, if you like, of world-class players. But they, they are the top. They are the best players in the world. And, you know, you've, you've, you're going to have lapses in form. You're going to have uh, shortfalls in confidence occasionally. I think the big thing with Mendy is about confidence. That's what he needs. He needs a run of games, build his confidence, and he will be back to the player he was. Can I put another pairing to you then, Rog, if you can kick off on this one? Knowing that Silva is in his last season, came off with cramp, and when he was replaced by uh, his, his long-term replacement, you like to think, uh, young Phil Foden, uh, we've got a situation where he kind of added some pace and, 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 and it looked different. An energy. And, and yeah. energy, which yeah. we were lacking. Yeah, is now the time, having seen that, is now the time to give him more game time? It's a, the ubiquitous question, I understand. But is yeah. now not the time to say, look, you know, David, you've been, you know, the statue will be there. Rest assured. Yeah. Don't worry. Whether it's yeah. with, with hair or not, we can decide later. <laughs> but the statue will be there. Yeah. And you are an absolute nailed on 
City legend and you'll be loved at that club forever. Yeah. But actually, now is the time to just step back and, and gracefully to, to be put out to grass in some field. Well, in, I'm not sure outside that putting Madrid out to grass is the right phrase. But <laughs> you know yeah, Phil Foden is ready. Phil Foden is a world-class individual at the age of 19. He will not look out of place playing against Liverpool, against Man U, against Tottenham. He will not look out of place and he won't let us down. And I think when he came on on Saturday, as you rightly say, he brought something else, which was that energy and that willingness to try and close people down. When you look at what he did, you know, particularly closing down Chelsea defenders, I think it was a terrific performance from him in a short space of time. And for me, I don't even know why we're hesitating in thinking about starting him. Just start him. And if it doesn't work out, you can always bring David on at that point. Give him a go in a couple of games, I think, for me. You're a Phil fan, I think, aren't you? you, you I t- am. And I know you're a big David fan. Man. So, so, so what, what, is Rog right? Is now the time? Or we've still got plenty out, out of the amazing David Silva? So on the basis that there's an ongoing competition between all Manchester City fans to decide who loves David Silva the most, <laughs> right? And there's no, there's no winner yet, but I am in the running, I'm sure. Um, I, it, it almost pains me to say it, but I think now is the time for Phil to be the starter and you bring David on to bring control into the game with 20-odd minutes to go when, when the opposition are tiring a bit. So you're almost rotating them. Instead of Phil replacing David every now and again, it becomes much more... In, so in, in bigger games, I mean, there's to be games where you would start with David Silver, perhaps some of the cup games, etc. You, you, you switch it. You start with Foden and you bring David in. I agree with you. We, we, we know David is going to retire at the end of the season, so there has to be a plan. And we've got, what, 40 games left to the end of the season? Well, let Phil Foden come and prove that he is the, the guy to take over. He is the young pretender. Yeah, I, I think it, it maybe depends on the opposition and the type of game. Because that the match at the weekend, it, it was open and it was it was crying out for Foden and that ability, as Roger said, to close people down and press and, and cover ground quickly. It wasn't a match where you'd have 10 seconds on the ball to pick a pass, which David wants and, and is so good at. I think there's, there will be games when um, it is crying out for Foden and there'll be other times when Pep will go for that bit more experienced control. And if it's not David Silva, it's probably Gundogan, who Pep seems to have this obsession with. And you know that ability to put your foot on the ball and, and dictate the tempo is fine. But there are a lot of games where... You know, we're just crying out for for that energy and that spark and and almost the fearlessness that that Foden has, because you know, youthful he, exuberance. Yeah, he's ready for a run in the side, and we've. I don't, it's really he's a fascinating one because everyone will look at him and go, he's brilliant, he's world class, he's got all the ability in the world. We've not really seen it because he's not had the chance. You know, he's never. I don't think he's ever started two games on the trot, or definitely not three. You just want to see him given a run in the side to show. So, what he so can Phil do. to start and, and be the, get the starting berth and Silver to, to, to rotate. Depending on the fixture, yeah, yeah. One thing that I've delighted to see, and you, you'll understand where I'm coming from here, is that at least we've now got a system that means if somebody's offside, we get you know goals chalked off. So, so well done VAR, everybody. That was yeah, off, clearly offside, and it's chalked off. So at least we're getting the right and the wrong sorted, black and white, offside, no goal. I'm just I'm just thrilled and delighted, Sarah. It's, it's good. So well, it's all, I, I know, it's all I know, good news, isn't it? You've always loved VAR, haven't you? And, and despite the uh, abuse you hurled at me in my in the introduction <laughs> for for no more than a gentle jibe in your direction. <laughs> off air. Um, <laughs> um, I have to say, as somebody who was 
sadly conned by the concept of clear and obvious and therefore thought VAR would be helpful to us and disadvantageous to some of our rivals. It's proved to be exactly the opposite. It's t it is absolutely taking the whole spirit and soul of football away. And I have moved to your position, Nigel. We have to either completely start again with what it's there to do and defining things or scrap it. It's not helping, is it, Rog? I don't well, think. It, it, yeah, I mean, I read, was it Gary Lineker? The much-esteemed Gary Lineker said, uh, he tweeted over the weekend that the VAR is sucking the joy out of the game. Uh, and it is. It's just awful. It's just awful. And who on earth thinks they can make decisions when it's a hairline breadth decision? I just, I just don't get it at all. I'm sorry. It needs to go. And the technology is not, not, not good enough, is it? That's it's the just thing. not. You know, with, just with, not. The, with the frames per second, no, I... just, you can't even work out when, he, when it hit the player's foot, when it was last played. It's just... I really like the principle of VAR. It's there to ultimately make more better decisions and to cut out the clangor. And it just isn't working like that at the moment. We've got to a situation, and I think if you're an inch offside, it doesn't matter whether you're an inch or 100 inches, you're offside. But we're at a stage where almost every weekend now we're seeing the question of where does somebody's arm start? Is it the armpit? Is it the shoulder? Are they leaning with the head? Is their foot in line with Kurt Zuma's backside? It's... It's getting to the stage, you look at a replay and they draw on the lines and you've got no idea which way the decision's going to go. Whether you think it's offside or onside, you've got no idea watching that replay of Sterling whether that goal would stand or not. And it, it's a nightmare position that they've got themselves into because there are games when it works well and, and decisions are reviewed. But the simplicity of has the ball crossed the line or not for a goal, done. That's binary. But we're now in the position of as you said, the technology's not there to know when someone's kicked the ball and where anybody is. It's become an embarrassment, let's so, be honest. So, so let, me interrupt, it, let me interrupt you, Rog, because I agree it's embarrassing, and, and I'm conscious I've got one eye on the clock because we've still got quite a bit to talk about. And we've talked about it a lot already, so I don't necessarily want to go around again. What I do want to ask, if I may, and short answers from everybody, knowing all that we've discussed, what do we do? do, do I mean, do we scrap it? I mean, do, do we take it, a view as it? It's not going to be scrapped. It's so keep it as say, it is and don't change anything. Tweaked. I'm not saying don't change anything. It's here to stay as a system and, and something that's going to So what they're going to tweak football, between But they have it. to change. I think the offside rule. The offside law, I, you mean? The offside law. Because a lot of the time it's not a VAR issue or the handball law as well. So change some laws. So change some of the laws. Rog, keep the, it. The integrity of, of the game is such that we have to keep it till the end of the season, but scrap it at the end of the season. All and what do us, we do between now and at the end of the season? We have to tolerate it as bad as it, as it is. is. Don't, tweak, don't even we, tweak we it. We can't get rid of it mid-season because it and we can't be unfair. Tweak it. It would, not, not mid I'm not saying mid-season. Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. So, leave it, so we have to live with it, but then you're saying get end rid of it. End of the season, get rid of it. So Rogers get rid of the end of the season. You're saying tweak laws and so on to help us with it. It will stay. Sarah, final vote from you before we take a break. Well, in its current format, it has to go. Um, I'm not sure you can get rid of it mid-season because you'll have half the results that were governed by VAR and half that weren't, and that might there's already going to be controversy at the end of this season anyway. So I think it has to go at the end of this season unless they have a root and ban branch kind of look at what it's there to do and how it can operate All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a break afterwards. We're going to be talking about the one issue we haven't talked about following the Chelsea game, which is yet another injury to young Sergio. Uh, we'll look forward to Shakhtar on Tuesday night and, of course, uh, the mighty Newcastle at the weekend. But with that in mind, we'll take a quick break.
Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back. Sarah's been rude to me again in the break, so we're going to start with her. (laughs) Sarah, Sarah, um, listen, I mentioned it just before the break. Sergio Aguero is injured. Yes, he is. And Um, uh, Gabriel Jesus is ready to take on the challenge. Well, I I think Jesus is a is a really good striker. I do think, I've said for ages, we needed another striker. I'm not quite sure why we never bought one, although uh, I'm sure Pep has got a reason for it. Um, well, you'd say Sterling, I, Sterling can play there as well, can't he? He can, though? yes, he can. And his finishing is now of a quality that yeah. that's, that's, that's a much more I guess feasible if he was, option. He yeah. listens every week, as we know, I guess that's what you'd say. But uh. I mean, you know, I, we, every season we lose Sergio for a few games in the late autumn into the winter. So part of me thinks we've been through this before. It hasn't stopped us winning titles or cups. You'd always rather have Aguero available because he's potentially, it's definitely a match winner and and potentially can make a huge difference, particularly in big games. But I'm not alarmed by his loss in the way that there's one or two other players that we probably would be more alarmed about. You alarmed, Rog? Losing Aguero is a big miss, isn't he? No, I, I, I mean, I think we have to work on the basis that Sergio and Gabriel Jesus are going to uh, switch alternative games from week to week, depending on the opposition. Um, it just means that there's going to be a run of games now for, for Jesus, which... I have every confidence in him. He's 22 years of age. He's a full international for Brazil, one of the best teams in the world. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a good goals-to-games record. I have every faith in him being able to deliver for us while Sergio was out for a few weeks. So Sergio's rubbish uh, is what Rog says, and Jesus <laughs> J- is better than him. I think it's in my mouth, though. <laughs> is what, I think it's what Rog um, said. I think it's fairly clear to me. I think it, it's what Jesus needs, a run of games where he's yeah. the main man and he knows he, whatever happens at the weekend, he's going to play the week after because he has to. Um, look, he, he fits into the team. He works really hard. He presses from the front. <laughs> he, he sets the tone in that way. The challenge for him and what... Is not to get injured. Is not to get injured. <laughs> but in a way that Aguero can be doing nothing all game, but he, you know you'd keep him on because he'll put away a chance yeah. or he's capable of that moment of brilliance to open up a defence. I'm not sure we've always seen that from Jesus. And he works really hard and he gets stuck in. The challenge for him will be do exactly that. Go out, score every game, take your chances, be clinical. Um but, you know, know, he's a Brazil international. He's scored tens of goals for us in the the leagues and all the cup competitions. It's not as if you bring in through an untried kid, but he's not Aguero, and and as fans, that's something we have to just accept. A quick theory on on Jesus, and and you you may all now shout me down and tell me I'm completely wrong, but one of the things that um, I think is unfortunate for him compared to Sergio is that if I said to you, name me your favourite three Sergio goals... You, you could do it in seconds, partly because he scored a lot, but also memorable goals. There's, you, there's quite a lot to choose from. Jesus has scored quite a lot of goals for us, 
but with the exception perhaps of the Centurion's goal at Southampton, how many of them do you really remember as being, they won us that game or they were a brilliant top, you know, and I think that's part of the problem, not his ability to score goals, but the memory they leave with us that then when we lose Sergio makes us think, oh, well, he's a much better striker but than Sarah, he's Manchester City's leading goal scorer. We've won everything while he's been at the club. It's very difficult for any player to come in and to have to replace him. No one's going to be up to that sort of sure. status and standard. I mean, it's impossible, isn't it, for it any is, player? But and, then, I, and it's not really fair to compare the two either, is no, it really, either, I suspect? No, but I think my point is that actually Jesus is probably a lot better than sometimes we give him credit for right. because yeah. we don't immediately associate him with, sure. oh, he won us that and he, he did this. As I say, the Centurion's goal is probably... the. First. If you ask most City fans, name a Jesus goal, that's probably the first one they would name. With Sergio... Yeah. Leave, leave aside 2012, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you may get different options. Uh, Roger Rog and, and Stephen are going to come up with 14 goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Jesus, <laughs> so if, if, if you can think of a, a Jesus goal, you're like, let us know. We're on Twitter, as you know. It wasn't we're, a bad goal at Goodison, was it? We're, we're at City Podcast, so uh, let us know your favourite uh, uh, Gabriel Jesus uh, goal. Stephen? I, th- I think what you'd say to the other attack-minded players in the squad is go and help him out. You know, Mares, you've scored a, the winning goal against Chelsea. Really good goal. Go and do that again. De Bruyne, you need to be adding more goals. David Silva, Foden. I think what we've seen from him is there's an eye for a, a finish in there. He wants to get into the box. Gundogan probably doesn't score enough for for his ability. Sterling is obviously scoring a lot more the last couple of years. Everyone's got to help in or help out because you know Jesus can't do it on his own. Yeah, I, th- I think just going back to Sarah's point about uh, Sergio, we do remember Sergio's goals, but having said that, he tends to be the player that plays in the big games, so he will score the winning goal or one of the big important goals against United or against Liverpool, and Gabriel Jesus has probably not played in as many of those big games, so we probably by definition will, with the greatest respect to, to Gabriel Jesus, we, we don't remember them because he hasn't played in those bigger games. If he gets the chance, I agree with Stephen, I think he needs a run of games, I think he will get the chance and he will score. He will score goals for us, no problem. Talking of big games, we've got a European night at the Etihad this week. Shakhtar, uh, we beat him 3-0, I think, back in September. And uh, it, what do we need? A point? Is that just a point? Is all we need in our next two games? Yeah. Mm. Um, and that means we will kind of guarantee top spot in the group. Um, what are you expecting then, Sarah, in terms of team selection? I suspect that Sergio won't be playing. <laughs> I think Sane's out as well. I think Laporte's missing, so we know a few of those. But what, what, what are you expecting from? You're in Pep? the loop, aren't you? I'm there. You I'm, 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 the so, I'm, I'm so ahead of the curve here. It's, unbeli- <laughs> it's unbelievable, really. I do all my research, you know. It's like it it's shows. Not, it, yeah, you can see that. So why did you say what you said before we came on air? No, let's not. <laughs> let's not do. That. Let's not do that. So, so you're, sensitive. So it's sensitive. not as bad as our engineer who leaves his phone on. I, I'm sure you heard the... So have anybody heard the phone going off during the recording? It wasn't any of my guests who are very disciplined and professional, but the engineer, <laughs> yeah? The engineer, the person who is paid to come in here and press buttons for That'll us. That'll be edited out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep mentioning it and do, give him extra work to do. But anyway, we, we love Leon, but, but anyway, he's let, he's let us down tonight, to be fair. He's, you've let your family down. You've let yourself down. You've let the Man City show down. But but you're a lovely boy, uh, Sarah. Sorry, you were saying. I can't remember the question. Now. I um, well, I, I I think he'll put a he'll put a reasonable team out. Um, he will. Uh, I, you know, there'll be a few players that get a rest. I think it'd be 
quite good, actually, to see one or two of the younger players. Well, I've written Not, them down here. You know, so I, in my preparation. Yeah. So you, you've got to say in or out here, okay, okay. for this. Right. Taylor Harwood-Bellis. <laughs> no. Ridiculous I'd have him on the, be- I'd have him on, no. him on the bench. Okay, I'd not start on it on the bench. bench, all right. Yeah. Tommy Doyle. Bench. Okay. Eric Garcia. I might start him. Oh, okay. Phil Foden. Start. Okay. And the others, I mean, Perveda and, mm. and ben- Benabi, whatever, he's not, he's not, they're not going to play. Benabi, he was <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago. Benabi. Benabi. Foden will start, I think. Yeah. I don't think any of the others will be in the match day squad. Not even in the squad? No. There's okay. enough players who... You know, you look at the bench from the weekend and it's Walker, Otamendi, Angelino, Gundogan. All, all playing, all starting, presumably. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe Angelino might still be on the bench if yeah. Mendy needs a run of games. Um, yeah, f- it, you would love Foden to start. Um, there's not that... I think Bernardo will come back into yeah. to action. Um, Gundogan should start as well, so he, yeah. he only came on for the last 20 or whatever. I think if we get a point or if we win the game against Shakhtar and go through, we'll see... The last group game treated as almost a Carabao Cup third exactly. round, and the kids might play there. But so again, we've still so got D- a job D- to do. As I grab, if, we, if we're through, it's going to be a. It is going to be the kids, isn't it? Really, well, you, there's no point doing anything else, is there? Really, it's, it's, it makes sense completely. Roger, One, any further thoughts yeah, on, well, on the, the European the, game? The big thing for me tomorrow night is uh, I'm hoping that we will be looking at City going back to possession ways. Let's get used to keeping hold of the ball, not giving it away cheaply. Let's let's get back to 60-70% possession. Shakhtar are frightened to death of the fact that City can hold onto the ball with so much confidence. Uh, they will probably not press us that hard tomorrow because they will be looking for uh, the danger of us catching them on. Uh, yeah. So let's quickly move to the weekend as well, then, Rog. Finally, if you can kick us off on this. So obviously, Newcastle lunchtime kick off. Newcastle away, uh, not exactly their bottom half. They're not scoring goals. I think it's eleven goals in twelve games for them. Yeah. So they're not scoring that freely. Yeah. Um, thoughts ahead of that game then? Have yeah. It, does it partly depend on what happens in Europe or not? Or do you think it's just a, another Premier League? No, game I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a difficult place for us to go, isn't it? It's, it's obviously very, very awkward, uh, St. James's Park, in terms of the atmosphere that you're going to uh, play and play against. We had a nightmare there last season. We just, we just, I don't know, somehow froze after scoring very early on through Sergio as well. Um, for me, let, let's get back to the possession ways. Let's get 70, 70, 75% possession, and we should be okay against Newcastle. Having said that, they will have done their research. They will be very dangerous on set pieces, corners and free kicks in, in the last third. Um, so we, we need to be on our guard as well. Stephen, thoughts ahead of Newcastle at the weekend? Yeah, th- they'll want... They won't want an open game in the same way that Chelsea came and played football. Even someone like Brighton come and play football. West Ham try to. Newcastle won't because they know that they don't stand a chance. So I get they'll want it to be scrappy and, and get the crowd up and a few tackles flying in. So, yeah, similar to last year, you'd have said if we score early and quieten them down, then it should be plain sailing. It wasn't. Um, but I, I don't see them causing us too many issues. Three points, Sarah, in the bag. Uh, Yeah, it's it's becoming uh, increasingly difficult to call some City games without perhaps the same confidence we have done the last couple of years, although we'd have all called Newcastle last season away as a a win, and clearly it wasn't. Um, It ought to be, and there's something as well. I suppose the, the other point I'd make is that there's something about City are the champions of England. They, yeah, we're getting a run for our money in terms of holding on to that crown. But I actually think they've got an obligation to go to places like Newcastle and win. Um, 
and not be faffing around. So I'm going to say they'll win 3-1. Well, despite our love of stuff before we came on air, Sarah, I still love you. Uh, and I appreciate everything you do for this show and you're welcome anytime you like. That's made my hour. Yeah. Mm. The person I'm not happy about is our engineer, Leon, who <laughs> left his phone on and we had it bleeping throughout the show. So if it's put you off the Man City show, his name's Leon and he can be found here at the Man City show. Listen, a huge thanks to my three guests, to the amazing, the amazing Sarah Messenger. Uh, to my good friend Roger Reed and to a view from a blue Stephen Allwise. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.